Welcome to Pure Hustle Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando. And we're on episode 148. And no, we're not directly sponsored by Mountain Dew. I just forgot my cup. Ah, but this, right. this is now I can I mean everybody I can knows email them. in it. I can email them though and say, hey, die Mountain Dew or Mountain Dew or is it Pepsi? Pepsi. Listen, every episode we got the dew on the table. We don't mind putting a banner. Yeah. You would, know, would you mind putting a banner? I mean, like let's be honest. Everybody's got a price for certain things. Everybody's and there's a price. Got a price. There's a pr- I mean, when a, it comes to advertising. That's such a dark view. Well, I mean, I mean, there's certain things that, that yeah, money yeah. just won't allow. But if somebody's yeah, yeah. like, you know, I mean, let's be realistic. If they're like, if it, even if they were to come and say like, hey, if we put Mountain Dew on your car that you drove around every day, but we'll pay you a million dollars. hundred percent. Right. Like, so I've thought about doing that. So, you know, when the wraps is not cars, worth it, it's not it's worth not it. I, I mean, I, I mean, at least when I looked it up, my dad was like, really, I mean, I've told you how many times my dad has kind of gotten into like the things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My dad's a hustler, but like he, he gets caught into the wrong things right like if he would have gotten his break he'd been good but he's gotten caught into like the things that's like ah, oh, you know like you, you got that's like a scam and he really looked at doing that and the amount of driving you have to do with your vehicle like they require like you have to make this trip at least once a month it's like from from where we lived at the time up to vegas there and back okay, and then okay. it was like hundred dollars a week and it was like just the gas for that trip, like it just but wasn't you know what? worth During it. Q four for me, that probably would work out. Like when I'm doing all that retail arbitrage, just slap a dime Mountain Dew sticker on my car, and maybe I'm good to go. But anyways, just talking about that's what we're about pure hustle. Yeah, I mean, there's so many ways to hustle. I mean, you got to figure it out, man. I mean, there's there's money to be made out there. You just got to work harder. In fact, going back to our most recent level up review, like the idea of like the code and having a goal, I've really been thinking like, okay, what's what's my goal? And today, just I mean, I, I didn't even do like a whole lot, but I was just like, okay. If I want to be, have X amount of money or be debt free or be able to pay off my student loan. So I kind of put out, did some math and I was like, if I want to be here in five years, how much money is that going to take? It's like, okay, well, let's break that down into five years, divided by five. All right, let's divide that into 12 months. All right, let's divide that into weeks. Okay, how much money do I need to make extra a week? And then once you start to break it down like that, you've got like a tangible thing. And then even that weekly goal can be high. But then when you're like, all right, $60 a day, it's like 58 and change a day extra. That's doable when you start to think about it like that. And and once you have that goal, then you're like, man, I could just hit up one more thrift store because I just, I need 58 extra dollars every day. If I could do that, then I'm going to have this crazy goal that I have in five years. But if you don't have that like target, that focus, I mean, your hustle, man, it's going to waver. Agreed. And you have to make sure you're making small steps. Like if it's so big, like, hey, I'm going to have, I don't know, 50K for a down payment on something, right? Like, if I have no way of seeing that, like you have to be able to see it. I remember when I did the whole debt free thing, like it was nice. All right. Paid off credit card one, paid off credit card two. Or even even then, like, hey, if we make it this far, we're going to go out to eat here or we're going to do this. Like there has to be tangible steps. So so I agree. And with reselling, I think right now, I think there's a, an opportunity. I know a lot of people are killing it right now with reselling. Right. And so this is definitely the time to take those tan- tangible steps because Man, I, I don't know. I just see all these opportunities. And, you know, I was thinking about this, Mike, on the drive over here. I'm contemplating that we're kind of like we a lot of people see, use this phrase a lot. But I really do feel like we're in the world of two Americas right now mm. in the in the sense of like on the reselling end of America, like things are good for the most part. I mean, I haven't heard very many resellers that aren't doing well right now. I mean, there may be. I know some of you have reached oh, I'm out sure to there us. Are. I'm 100 percent believe there are. But. For the most part, like it's been really good, like on Instagram. And I know it's always a highlight reel, but I'm always seeing like, hey, man, this stuff sold that I never thought it would sell before. Or 
I made this much this week. I made this much this month. And I'm like, wow. And then, you know, there's the understanding that there's the other side that, you know, people have lost their jobs. Right. And so now they're looking to reselling to try to make ends meet or, or people, you know, are, are struggling financially for whatever reason, right. Unable to pay the mortgage or there's health issues and it's not just COVID related. It's Mm -hmm. more of, okay, now we have a scenario because I don't have my health insurance. And so anyways, I, I just, I wanted to share this because I thought, you know, Right now is the time to try to reach out to each other and help each other out. Kind of like we do on the podcast, right? We're always dropping info. We're, we're trying to share our knowledge. Uh, and I would, and I've said this before, and I said this earlier on, but it's definitely, I don't think it's a time to flex. Mm. I don't know if there's ever a time to flex, but I think there's a fine line. I don't know. Am I, I'm feeling preachy right now. No, I mean, it's good. I mean, there's, there's a point where you need to have some compassion um, because there's going to be ups and downs. And like I've said before, and and I think we've talked about it many times from different, you know, economists and, and different books we've read is that economics is not a zero sum game, right? Like, mm-hmm. like there can be multiple winners. It's not like I win at the expense of somebody else. Um, so recognizing that, but then also knowing that certain situations that might be outside of like your control can cause winners and losers, right? Depending on how you react to it. And when I say winners and losers, I'm, I'm not saying like you're a loser, but like you lose in the situation, whether it's, you know, you lost a job, you lost insurance, you, you're, you're the, the niche you were in all of a sudden tank. Like there's, there's tons of things that are outside of your control that can cause you to have to change the way you're, you're doing things. But one of the reasons why even in, in the podcast we've talked about in the past, I don't think either of us were like really where we wanted to be before this happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, but knowing that during economic downturns, is the biggest exchange of of wealth in the country. So the 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 time when people can move up classes economically that can really make huge differences happens usually when there's some kind of economic downturn and the only way that can happen is if you're positioned with, you know, capital ready or lots of um you've got resources available that whether it's it's the housing market drops or stocks are go- going down or Whatever the situation well, is, I'll give you an example. have to have the money available yeah. to make that happen. Yeah. And a simple example is like in San Diego, a lot of people have lost their jobs, but there's a company in San Diego, I heard this on the radio, that they're making a lot of money right now. Like I know janitorial services, some places are making a ton mm-hmm. of money. And, you know, have you gone to the store lady and there's plexiglass everywhere? Yeah. So somebody's making that plexiglass and they're making a lot of money, mm-hmm. right? Putting up those stands. And so one of those companies in San Diego. So yeah, I, I get exactly what you're saying. I just wanted to show a specific example, yeah. but, you know, that company never thought, one day we're going to be making stuff for every single store that people go to. Right. Right. I mean, that's huge. So, yeah, I agree. I just, I, I really felt, I don't know. I don't know. I just felt the need to share that. Hey, at this point in time, I, I, I would be more about like seeking to give people advice instead of just saying, Hey, this is how much money I made. Right. It's, it's more of like, Hey, this is how I made this money. This is how I knew what to source this is how I knew, you know, how to sell this. And hopefully our podcast continues to be that platform and if and if we're not, let us know. There's a comment section below. So, all right, okay. I just need to just need to share that a little. I like bit. it. So, Good all right, stuff. talk to me. What's going on? How how have things been? This is an update episode. Oh yeah, I love update episodes. So I mean, things have been pretty good. Um, again, difficult thing is seeing inventory shrink. I mean, I'm getting more and more things listed that that haven't been listed yet, but then not having just the go to garage sales and thrift stores has kind of been a little bit of a bummer as always. However, um. Finally, I've been able to find a couple more niches that there's some some stuff that I'm able to get on eBay arbitrage, being able to pick up stuff. Um, and even some of the ones that I was doing really well in in the past that seemed like they kind of tanked a little bit. Maybe there's a, kind of an uptick going again where there's some room for me to move in there. 
Uh, and and one of the things I noticed, one thing that's been really helpful for me, and I don't know if you've noticed the same thing. I'm sure you have. I'm sure we've kind of already talked about it a little bit, but we've talked about the idea. Okay, so you're doing some eBay arbitrage, a a nice method. Of course, it doesn't. It's not always the best. Um, sometimes it's buy it now might be the best price, but usually the, the way you're able to get the best deals is when somebody starts an auction for something and the price is too low and there's just nobody looking for it in that time frame, right? Like, so they've got a seven day auction or a three day auction. And it just so happens that they weren't able to find the buyer who's willing to pay top dollar in that time frame. Mm -hmm. So you're able to come in and swoop it up at, at a lower price. Now, where you can really do well, and I did this multiple times the other day, and I was actually like, man, this is kind of cool, is I would find items that were already at a good price point that I liked, right? That I'm like, okay, if I'm, there's no bids on this. I could tell that they they this is not the time for them to sell this, right? I'm kind of thinking long-term on these mm -hmm. items but it's not selling. It's down to an hour left. There's no bids, right? So I put in an offer, really, really low offer. Cause sometimes, and it's not every uh, one, but if you see this, it's like really nice. It's, do it. You can make an offer on an auction, right? Even before the auction comes to yeah, an you end. You know what? It's funny you're doing that. Cause I've seen those and it's weird for as long as I've been reselling, I've never tried that. Cause I'm like, who's going to, who's going to take an offer less than the bid. Exactly. Right. But I thought that, but, but here's the deal. So I come in really low, right? Like Let's say they're selling the item for 50. I know I'm going to be able to sell it for 100 or 150 or whatever, right? Um, and that's what the the starting bid is, 50 with shipping. And I'm like, okay, there's a little bit of room for profit for me if I buy this right now. It's getting close. It's an hour left. There's no bids on it. I'll come in at like $20, wow. right? Jeez. Get denied, right? So I've had a couple where the they come back. Decline. I yeah, I get a couple where they, they come back with like an offer that's, you know, a little bit above the bid price or right below the bid price. And I just decline that offer, maybe offer again a little higher. Then I wait till there's like 15 minutes left. Still no bids. Another offer. Might come up a little bit. Okay, instead of 20, let's come to 25, maybe 30, right? And I, I, I'm thinking in their head, they're thinking like, it's almost the end. Nobody's bidding yet. Nobody's bidding yet. And if you're putting in an offer when it comes down to like four or five minutes left, nobody's bid yet. I've had at least three or four where I'm able to snag it for for at least 20 to 30% less than the lowest bid, which is already wow. a win for me. But in That's my impressive. mind, but in my mind, I'm thinking, even if, even if they don't accept my offer and I'm stuck when there's one minute left buying it at whatever the bid price is, there's still profit. So it's not like I'm worried that if they don't take this offer, you know, it's like, it's just like a, let's throw it out there. Let's see what happens. They don't know that I'm still going to buy it at the bid price if it doesn't work. But, but think about that. If you find something that has zero bids and you know, it's worthwhile, maybe long-term, Sometimes people get in their head, they get a little bit psyched out, right? They're like, man, nobody's buying this. Nobody's buying this. Especially if you can tell that this isn't like a reseller. They've got like a store with thousands of items and they just have things on constant circulation. But if it's just somebody throwing up their collection of, of action figures, right? And maybe it's already the second time they've thrown it up and nobody's bought it yet. You come in with an offer and they're like, at least I'll get something. No, I, I've done what you've done. Like I had one of my biggest deals the other day. I purchased about 60 items I could flip at the least. And it's going to be long tail, but 20 a piece. Mm. You do the math. That's that's a nice number, right? And I could get all those items. Uh, so if I had gone with their bid, right, it would have cost me, I don't know, let's say three to 400 bucks, right? But I kept watching it and like no action, no action. So I just, I messaged them. I've I shared this before. I messaged them and I've said, hey, I bought, and actually I bought from this person before. Hey, I bought from you before. Would you be willing to sell all of this for this plus free shipping? And, you know, they countered like 30 bucks more, but yeah, I got it for half the price. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I wonder what goes on in their heads though. Like if they mm. see the item that they sold me in bulk and it's relisted individually for a lot, 
I don't know. I mean, I, mean, I haven't gotten any messages yet. It's kind of like, have you ever done the local deal mm. where you buy something locally and then you flip it locally for uh-huh. a lot more? Yep. You ever feel that little bit of guilt? No, because when it, it, it really comes down to like the service you're doing, right? Because okay. sometimes somebody needs money now. It's like, hey, you can sell this. You can sell this kayak, right? Just give an example. You could sell this kayak for $400, but it might take you three months to sell it. If you need the money now because you're into a new hobby, oh, yeah. you want to buy a new camera saying. and you need 300 you're willing to say, you know what? I'll just, I'll give you 300. That's fine. I know I can make more, but I don't want to wait four months from now. I want the money now. And then you put it up and it might take you the three or four months, but you make that hundred bucks, right? So, so what you're doing is you're exchanging money for time, right? Mm. Is, is all you're really doing is you're giving them the money and you're willing to take the time to make the money worth more, whereas they need the money now, right? So it's just the time change is what you're doing. You're kind of exchanging that. Um, so I, I think some people know that that's what happens. Um, and I think honestly, now might be a good time for certain, especially local things like that, bigger things. And, and I'll get to that when I when I talk a little bit about random stories. But I think a lot of people right now are selling toys, right? And I don't mean like kids' toys, but like toys, like 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 the you know whether it's dirt toys, bikes or things oh, like okay, that. You I know what I mean? Like right. like the things that like people have that are like nice and cool, but they don't really use that much because most people like that. For instance, that have a boat, you know. They maybe go out once a year, if that, a couple times a year. But a lot of times boats just sit or RVs or things like that. So I think a lot of people are like, you know what? Times are hard. I want to get rid of this stuff. And so they're willing to get rid of it for for a lot less than it's worth. And then as the economy, if it picks up again relatively soon, or even if it takes time, eventually those things people want again. So again, you're willing to say, I'm willing to, to do the long tail on this item. Uh, and I think you now is an opportunity if you have cash available that you can pick up a lot of those types of things that people are wanting to offload because they need money. Um, and then you sell it again later for more. Yeah. No, I mean, that's reselling, it, right? No, it's true. It's business. It's, yeah. it's econ 101. So I get that. It's just, it's, I just wonder, you know what I mean? Because I had a lot of stuff that I bought and I paid $50 for the lot and I sold one piece for a hundred and another for 50. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, this person, if they ever would have come across this, would be like, what just happened? Yeah. And I sold that stuff within 24 to 48 hours. Now, talking about updates, I'm learning a lot. But it's funny because a lot of, you know, we talked about FBA, like if you do books, like a lot of major FBA sellers like Latin Pickers and so on have told us that you're trying to sift through all the junk. Right. You have a scanner, not because you're trying to find the good stuff. You're trying to get rid of the bad stuff. And I'm finding that in my niche and I have multiple niches I'm looking at, like I'm able to spot the junk more and more and more and more. So it's been it's been really good. And I'm excited about when I go, (laughs) I don't know when garage sale someday. Uh, Anyways, we'll talk about that later on reseller topics uh, that it'll be easier. Like th- this has been good. And so you have, if you haven't had the opportunity to just spend the time to learn right now on eBay, what's good and what's not and learn niches, you still have that shot. Think about how much better of a seller you're going to be when you go to auctions, which hopefully we'll get to. I've been looking at, uh, there isn't anything happening right now in our area. So actually there's, there's one that I, I, I was saw the online one. Yeah. I'll talk to you about it afterwards. Okay. The cars. Nope. Okay. I think I know. I don't know. I mean, I, okay. So Mike and I, obviously we live in the same area, so we may be looking at, maybe we're competition, but, uh, I haven't, you know, I keep looking, sorry. I just, Hey, I sold the department 56, hey, There's still, the white house. So stuff is still selling. So anyway, sorry. Good time for that with, you know, elections and stuff, right? <laughs> I, I guess so. Or the fact that people are just buying random stuff right now. Sorry. All right. 
so I've been, I, I'm like excited because I'm like, hey, I'm going to be more efficient at the thrift. I'm going to be more efficient at garage sales, auctions, whatever, you name it. And it's, it's, it's been kind of sad too, because what I noticed that a lot of resellers are doing, and they're smart about this, that they'll put like one or two diamonds in the rough and the rest is junk. Mm. Right. So you got to you got to be able to sift through that junk. And I've been a lot faster, but I will say it's not as easy. I, I think Mike and I sometimes maybe we come across like it's really easy. Like you just search and like, no, I spend I like the other day. I spent probably two hours looking at different lots. And after those two hours, I only found two lots that were worth my time. Now, they're highly profitable, but it took some time. And that's already two hours built upon the hours before that I had spent researching. Yeah, exactly. And, and But like you said, now you can sift through the junk faster. So it's kind of like it's 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 a cost upfront heavy process as far as time and energy. Like you might spend 10 hours a week studying a niche, looking for lots, and you don't really find anything profitable. But the next week you spend 10 hours and maybe you're making $10 an hour off of that knowledge you have. And then the mm -hmm. next week you're making $40 an hour. And then the next week it's hundred dollars an hour, right? Because you've already learned. So it, it, you're putting up the, the time up front to learn the niche, to look for niches. Sometimes I'll spend hours just looking for like, man, what is selling? Like, okay, what's sold in my store? Can I find similar things mm -hmm. on eBay? And then, so I'm looking, it's like, that's good. Nope. That's but, a good but sometimes it's like, you can, I can look up 10 different categories and be like, man, I, I just, there doesn't seem to be any any profit for me to to eBay arbitrage. Feels like a waste of two hours, right? But now I know. And then when you do spot the one, right? Every once in a while, every couple of days, or every week or month of doing that, you're like, ooh, I found a, a, a door that I could walk through where there's lots of money behind it, right? So it takes time. It's it it is. It, there's times where I've been really frustrated where it's like, man, like there's just no opportunity. But it, it's just you got to keep working, keep grinding, and you'll find it. Do you think those days are done for you? That there's no opportunity? No, I mean, I think, I think it's 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 all about return on time invested, and so I recognize that where I'm at right now is probably not perfect as far as like I'm always going to have opportunities mm -hmm. with the knowledge I have. There's going to be times where there's just no opportunities at all. Uh, but if I'm willing to put in more time, the chances of having no opportunities goes down, if that makes sense. Okay, so I see, it's, I see it's, what you're saying. Am I willing to invest the time or do I want to spend the time on things that are more of a sure thing as opposed to, you know, opening up more doors that might make me money down the road? The only reason I bring that up is, you know, I, I think about even when we first started dropping the podcast, we used to get comments like it's because of you guys that like we can't make money as resellers anymore. And, and we were like, yeah, like. I don't know, 40 subscribers. Like it was like, you know, and we're still not even big. We're like at 3.4 or something like that. And, and we appreciate every single one of you. And on the podcast, we, we have, we have a decent amount. And so I, I look at this and I go, there, there's no excuses anymore. Like if, if we can make it through a pandemic, if we can find ways to source and pivot, like there's always opportunity, but it's about that hustle. It's about willing to, you know, make the changes that you need to make adapt and find those items. Now, you know, we talked about in our other inventory pipeline episode that, you know, that may require, you may decide to be one of the chaser resellers, right? You're also chasing the next item or you're, you're chasing for that vintage item, or you're just having a big store with all kinds of stuff. And people are just consistently buying because you have such a variety of items. All right. Other update thing for me. So I, I don't know where I'm at with Amazon anymore, man. Like, 
remember when we first started the podcast, I think it was like 60% of my income was Amazon, 40 was eBay. And then I was like, hey, I'm going to flip it. Now I think it's like 90 eBay, uh, 10 Amazon, if that. Yeah, I think you'll go back to Amazon during Q4. So I don't so. think you can avoid it. Um, I, 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 But I'm telling you, I work less and I feel better. Like I felt like with Amazon, like I'd be on that wheel. Right. And, it, and, and what would happen is like, I'd have a killer day of sales and then killer day of returned or an IP claim and then killer day of sales and da, da, da. And so with eBay, I mean, I still get returned, you know, but man, so much more control over your inventory, so much more control, so much more control over returns. Like I can get a return and I can be like, nope, I'm going to give you a partial refund. This was brand new and you destroyed it. eBay. It's like, I mean, Amazon, it's nope. got to figure out a way to offload it. So. I don't know. That's that's where I'm on now. You were supposed to keep me accountable on something. Do you remember? What was it? Uh, doing the uh, international, but not GPS. Yes, not GSP. GPS. <laughs> yeah, pirate ship. So I didn't do it, but here's why. No, 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 no. It's it's, it's not because I wasn't holding them accountable. No, no. Okay, number one is it was it was heavier than it needed to be to do simple export. Do you get what I'm saying? So simple, simple export like works, right? And it's a good thing. Am I, am I not up to the mic? Simple export works and it's a good thing, but it has to be, it has to be a certain weight. So, you know, that, so global shipping, like, you know, if you have more expensive stuff, I'm all about doing global shipping, right? But if it's not a certain weight, then it's like, Hey, you know, maybe it's not worth me spending the time to do it. So I'm trying to find the exact way I had it on here. I don't know what it is, but simple, simple, actually, let's put more than a pound. You can't do the simple, no, more than four pounds. Okay. More than four pounds, right? I don't know. I'm going to look it up right now because I know somebody in the comments even like, you guys didn't do your research. I did my research. I just. But does this make riveting podcasting? We'll do the research on the No, air. no, no. I'm going to, I'm going to talk while I, I do this. So, <laughs> so here's the deal. So this item, and I wasn't clear on the last podcast, was that, that the item needed to be more like the item weighed like six pounds and it was a bulkier item right so you can't do simple export on pirate ship with that right so take a look at the measurement requirements i'm not going to take away from everything that's going on here okay it can't be more than four pounds that's what it is okay right so i'm looking at the chart on pirate ship right now right so if it's four pounds it's going to be you know to go to the to canada it's like 23.95 if after more there is no more simple export right so this item was about six pounds and and it was four pounds, but when I packaged it and everything, it was going to be like six pounds. So unfortunately, I didn't do it. Now, I did sign up for simple exports. So what I'm going to do is I have like a lot of Harley gear. I have a lot of clothing and stuff that falls under these requirements that I get messaged. All, Harley stuff is the stuff I get messaged all the time from Canada. Mm. They're always like, hey, I would love to buy this, but man, GSP is killing me. Yeah, I mean, I can see that. It, it, you got to figure... Uh Harley shirt is going to be under a pound going out and what that's 10 bucks as opposed to GSP is probably like 30 or $40 to send that shirt. You're probably well, going to make way more clothing sales uh, to Canada or to other places. Yeah. And I, and I did, so I sold the item. It, GSP is now working with Canada again. It just recently sold. And I think this is a, either a veteran buyer or a veteran seller because they messaged me and they said, and I told, they were loyal. This is, this is what I always say. If you can establish connections with your buyers, like let's say you buy a unique item. I mean, you sell a unique item, right? And you know it's unique. You should message and go, hey, by the way, 
you know, I noticed you purchased this. If you're ever open, you know, you want to find more of the stuff. I have other stuff in my store or in the future, you know, just I'm here and we can always work out a deal. Right. And this is what happened here. So this person messaged me before the last update podcast and said, Hey, I really want to buy this. I know you have it under global shipping. I understand why it's not working, but I'm willing to wait. And that's why when I got on the podcast, I'm like, okay, maybe I'll try the simple export, but then it didn't work because of the weight calculation. But now you know knowledge. Now, well, now I know. Now I have to know. It's good. It's good. I, I'm glad for that opportunity. And I'm glad this loyal buyer stayed with me. So they actually messaged me and they said, hey, listen, I get it's Pitney Bowes that's responsible for these high fees. He, let me show you a screenshot. I don't know. Have you ever seen a screenshot of what a global shipping screenshot looks like? Mm-mm. Okay. So they sent it to me. So this item. All right, cost about 85 bucks. So for me to ship to Kentucky was about like 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. Okay. They have to pay. So the shipping, international priority shipping, because it has to go priority shipping. So there's tracking, right? So I, if from here to Kentucky, it doesn't matter, but Kentucky on it has to. So it was uh, $53.45 to Canada, right? That's what they have to pay in total. So I would say, you know, 20 bucks to get to Kentucky and then they pay the other 23 to get to them. Then on top of that, there was a twenty dollars in, in, in import charges, right? So, so not too bad. And they probably had sales tax on top of that. So double the price of the item, eighty dollar item is going to be eighty dollars for yeah. shipping and yeah. taxes. Now I was a good seller, and I did refund them ten bucks. And I said, "Hey, listen, I appreciate your business. Thank you so much." Because I, I actually I Frankenstein the box, so it could it was cheaper to ship, and I also want to help them out. And, you know, good customer service. So I'm like, hey, listen, here's and I don't ever do this. Usually I keep the money if if I make money on on shipping because, you know, we're always losing money on shipping. Right. So I just count it as like, hey, this is just another cost. But for this scenario, you know, this was a collectible item. I'm pretty sure they're going to maybe come back and want to buy something else. I thought, hey, extend that that branch of, hey, I'm here to help you. I'm here to work things out. And so, you know. Hopefully I get, I know I'll get good feedback. You know, one of my best feedback this week was, uh, I know they're usually templates, but one was like, if Elvis was alive, he would be singing songs about him. Like, what? who writes that? Nice. Who writes that? So, so anyways, that is my venture into simple export, into GSP. But again, people, I always say this, the right buyers are not going to complain about the shipping to you. Right. They're going to understand that, hey, there's a cost to getting something they want and they're just going to pay up front. And that's what this person did. And they were very clear in their message. Hey, I have nothing against you. It's eBay that's doing this. And I understand that. They said, I'm still very happy to have found it. Thank you. So I'm happy with that. Nice. So there's my update. I like it. All right. Some random stories, Mike. Um. Okay. So this one is kind of interesting. So I was thinking about my trailer, right? Like my trailer's been something on my mind a lot, right? I'm thinking about my trailer and I'm like, I guarantee- Wait, your fifth wheel or your new trailer? No, my new, my new like uh, to haul, to haul uh, uh, sourcing Are you going to share that one story that you kind of touched on the other day about what happened to your trailer? Oh, somebody hitting it? Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I guess I could talk about that too. That's, Sorry, that is it okay? That didn't I, didn't I, did, did I talk about it? No, you're already? like, I'll, you said I'll share it in a future episode. Uh, okay, I'll mention it. It's kind of annoying. Um, but anyways, so um, I've been thinking about the trailer and I'm like, okay, right now I could probably in the next day or two sell it and make an $800 profit, right? Easy peasy. Because I got a good deal on it. And the reason I got it, I, I was able to get this good deal is I was patient. The DMs got to you. Did you the see what? the DMs? The people are DMing like, 
flip it now. Yeah. No, no, no. But I'm not going to sell it. I'm not. But oh, you're not. Okay. The, the point I'm trying to make, though, is it. like I, I realized that, okay, it took it took like a month and a half of like spending five, 10 minutes a day looking up trailers on OfferUp, Facebook Marketplace, Craigslist every day, morning, afternoon, night, just a couple minutes to scan the top ones. What's most recent? Because usually you only have to scan like 10 listings before you're like, yep, I've seen all of these right mm-hmm. below it. So it's pretty quick once you kind of have like a niche that you're you're looking at. Uh, sometimes it's a bummer because if it's a gold mine that you're you're sourcing and you get to the bottom of it and it could take a long time for that gold mine to fill back up, right? Mm-hmm. But like with things like this, it can make it go quick, right? Because it's really fast. It's like, oh, I only have to look at four or five listings. None of these are good. None of them are good deals. Maybe send a couple offers. But what I thought is, okay. And again, you can't ever replicate something. But let's say, let's say it's once every six weeks. I'm able to find a deal similar to this on on something like a trailer, right? $800 profit minimum for a pretty quick flip. Mm-hmm. So if I can do and that- be, It would be cash. It'd be cash. Yeah. It'd be, it would just be like a straight cash. Now, trailers is a little bit more because you're dealing with like, there's actually like, you got to report it to the DMV because it's like a vehicle, okay, it's okay. a vessel. Um, but then I was thinking, because my, my brother-in-law, he's been flipping- um, he, it's, it's really funny because my brother-in-law is not a reseller at all, but he's always flipping stuff on Craigslist and Facebook marketplace. Um, just because he, he buys a toy, like he buys a new dirt bike and he rides it for a little bit and he does a little bit of work on it, slaps a couple stickers on it and sells it for like $600 more than he bought it for. And then he goes and buys a bigger dirt bike or something, right? Like he's always just doing that just because, and he doesn't need the money. He, they, they have plenty of money. They've got tons of toys. It's just something he does for fun. It's like, Oh, I found this thing that I know a lot about this car that I can spend like $200 on it and be able to sell it for a thousand dollars more, but he's not a flipper. It's like weird. It's just like a fun little hobby that he occasionally does mm-hmm. with things that he likes. Like if it's not something that he likes, I could tell him like, Hey, you can make $500. If you bought this and f- fixed it and sold it. He'd be like, I'm not interested. Right. But I was thinking like, okay, like maybe there's, maybe this is like an, uh, an avenue I need to consider, right? Like, so the trailer got me thinking about it. And then I started talking to my brother-in-law about specifically things like dirt bikes and, and go-karts and things like that. And like, okay, what are some good brands? What are prices I should be looking for? Um, wh- what kind of work would it take to get some of these fixed? Like, what's the, the simple things? And so I'm really starting to think that if, even if it's like $500 to $1,000 extra a month with a few hours of work, just a little bit of research, find an item, and then just just cash local trades for things like that, I think I think that might be like a, a new path I'm taking just from this idea of like, look, I can go to garage sales and thrift stores and there's plenty of money there and it's kind of nice because it's, not as dirty and grimy to deal with, but if I can buy if I can buy a, a little dirt bike for five hundred dollars, pay three hundred dollars to fix it up, and then sell it for fifteen hundred, mm-hmm. yeah, you could definitely could. There's plenty of people that do that, and I'm, I'm kind of I mean, and I don't know anything about like that kind of stuff. I don't work on cars. I don't. I mean, I'm I'm not really skilled, but we have YouTube, right? And and I feel like I can learn things. And so I, I'm kind of interested in doing just an experiment of like, okay, I'm going to start small. I'm going to give myself like a $500 or $800 budget. And I'm going to do small little things like this. And I'm going to see how far I can get in a year. And I'm under, I'm going to keep track of the money and I'm going to keep reinvesting into it. And, and I'm going to see, can I build, will I be able to, to do this enough that I could build a small garage and I'm like, I'm moving vehicles, right? Like who knows, right? Like I don't know what it's going to take to be there, but like, I don't, you never know until you try and you start playing with it. And maybe I hire some, some high school kid who can come over and tinker on dirt bikes and, you know, and just pay him a little bit. So I don't know. So my mind is starting to think about new alternatives and options for, for making money, which just goes to show like there's so many things out there that you can do 
Um, if you're willing to to look at it and, and maybe I try this for a few months, I'm like, this is miserable. I hate it. And then I pivot and I find something else. But and that's the thing. You got you got to find what you enjoy. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's and we've said this before, like we could. I mean, we, <laughs> I say that like it's not a guarantee, but if we wanted to scale scale, we could scale scale. But there's always you always have to give something up. Right. Mm-hmm. Somehow. Right. We talk about time like doing that would take a lot of time. Yeah. Right. A lot of research, a lot of figuring things out. Uh, you know, for me, I'm not mechanically inclined, mm-hmm. so I, I won't even touch that. But am I willing? And I've done it before where I've bought something like similar, like a, you know, I like a car before. And I've I knew that I if I paid somebody to just fix this couple of things, I would be able to do a quick flip. I've done it before. Did did I get as much joy from it? No. Was the money nice? Sure. But it wasn't something I constantly wanted mm-hmm. to do. Right. So you, I, you know. That's the beauty of reselling that you have options. I mean, we we can go. I mean, one day I can come in and go like, "Hey, I'm gonna start flipping houses." Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's that would definitely make our podcast entirely different. Yeah, and and it would take a lot more capital. But it'd be nice if we can get there. I mean, who knows? No, maybe but that's I like, have maybe that's our Thursday episode is our real estate. No, I know a fellow teacher of ours that that well, you weren't around, but he was he was a professor at a college, kind of like that. That that's what I I still think that's gonna be my next step one day. Like, I'm probably gonna. I've already taught college, but I thought maybe I'd go back one day. But, you know, he just he's like he was in his 50s. and He's like, eh, I want to try something. And he started flipping houses and now he loves it. Right. So you never know. I've talked about wanting to do real estate. Right. But, you know, I'm waiting for the right time. And I, I think we're getting there. But, you know, all depends on how the economy goes over the next few months. Yep. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's, that's great to hear. Thank you. So so out of nowhere. Yeah. I mean, who knows? <laughs> I mean, who knows whether it's going to go anywhere or not, but it might. And uh I figure it doesn't hurt. I mean, I've spent five hundred dollars on on a, a Macy's return box, right? Yeah, that that's takes so much work. That just like just like, yeah. and we've got an interview coming up um, this Sunday. You guys are really, really going to enjoy it, uh, and we're going to be talking about things like that: buying pallets, buying liquidation, and you know, there's there's money to be made, but it's it's a slow turnaround sometimes, right? Like sometimes it's like you you spend five hundred dollars, and I'm going to make two hundred dollars profit over the over a year, yeah. right? Like the way I'm selling at least the inventory that I got. So I'm will I was willing to spend the five hundred dollars. Let's see if this works. Is this a, a model I want to go down? Why not spend five hundred dollars and buy buy a go kart and try and fix it up and paint it and see like like even just things like that, like like. Sometimes you get something like one thing I saw on a, uh, I think it was a TikTok and I've seen other people do this, but like it gave me an idea was. I love how TikToks become a source of information. Yeah. So um, somebody took an old beat up looking like um, what what's the, the toddler brand with like all of like the plastic toys and stuff. Um, anyway. Fisher Price. Yeah. Fisher Price. Okay. It was like a Fisher Price like basketball set. Right. And it was all like kind of beat up looking and faded from the sun. And the guy took the netting off and he took a blowtorch. And you, if you go over plastic with a blowtorch just lightly, it brings back the color, like shiny, shiny, shiny. Mm. And so it took this like old faded like toy basically and made it look brand new. And so it's like, you know, sometimes just doing things like that, like you can go buy a bike, right? Maybe it's so bikes you many get into. Opportunities. You do a little bit of work so on many. it. You just touch up the paint yeah. and you spend $50 just making it look nicer. You might not even do anything else just to make it look nicer. And then people are willing to spend, you know twice as much because it looks nice, right? And you didn't even actually do much to make it like structurally better or whatever it is. I just wish I was one of those people. I like, I, you know, I do have certain skills, but there's certain people that just, they just know things. Like, But, but you could, I mean, no, you I know, could, but you I could. think about, you know, I've talked about when I first started my reselling journey, right? It was me and my two other buddies and my, we would, we had 20 bucks and we were going to try to see how much we can make on the 20 bucks. Well, my buddy Kyle his first flip was an RC car that he knew about 20 bucks and he flipped it for, he, he did the same thing. He bought the RC car for 20 bucks. 
he knew what needed to get fixed. So he took it somewhere. They fixed it up. And I, I think he sold it for like 350 bucks. Right. I'm like, and then he told me later that with that money, he bought a, uh, what are those four wheel vehicles you go in the desert with? Like a doom buggy. Yeah. Something like that. Sand rail. Yeah. He, he, yeah. Something like that. He paid, I think he paid like the 300 and something. And then he flipped that for like 3k. Yep. All he did is he knew that he needed to touch up a few things and, yep. and, then, and clutch then, cable and like little stuff like and that. Then, sorry, Kyle, if I'm sharing your life story here. And then he did that and he flipped it and he bought a car. Like it's just a nice. fun car to have. And I'm like, the, you know, I want to be that kind of, now that takes having certain knowledge. And we, I think we all have access to it. It's whether do we want to go down the road to accessing yeah. that information. Yeah. And, and sometimes it's like, it's not worth it, but I've done enough like handiwork around my house and like I've done car work and stuff. And it's, it's not something I find necessarily that is enjoyable. True. You set up your solar panels, man. Yeah, I did. That was crazy. Um, but I know that I can learn that stuff. And the nice thing is I kind of feel like it makes you like a Renaissance man. And maybe that's the right term. Maybe not, but like, you know, a little bit of everything. A jack of all trades. Okay. Jack of all trades. Um, I don't know. Like, it's kind of a, a cool thing that like, okay, so I've, I've in my past been into so many random hobbies, everything from kites to drones to board games to videography, like so many, I, I could just list like the most random stuff, fish breeding. I don't know if I've ever told you that story. I used to breed fish, uh, just so many hobbies. But the cool thing is there's times when I'm like just hanging out with people, you meet a stranger, you start talking to them and it's like, Oh, you like RC cars. Yeah. And you all of a sudden know, like, quite a bit about RC cars because you learned about them so that you could fix them up and sell them. Like it's kind of cool because you can learn a little bit about a lot of stuff and it makes you, it makes you like easily connectable to people. It kind of builds that charisma. Like, I don't remember who it was. Um, is it Ryan Dunn? I don't know if you remember it. So, um, the guys from, uh, like Johnny Knoxville's whole crew was <laughs> that, was he, the, was he the guy that, that passed away early? I think, um, I, I don't be wrong on the name, but I watched a documentary on him and he would carry uh, business cards and he had like 30 different businesses. So like somebody would be talking to him. He's like, oh yeah, I'm a, I'm a, a whatever astrology expert, blah, blah, blah. And he'd pull out the astrology expert business card with, and then he'd be Wait, talking to somebody that, else. And I'm a, kind of scammy, man. But like the, but the thing is like, he would learn a little bit about it and he'd start a little business and he just like, it was just kind of this crazy thing. Cause like you, you could basically talk to him. Oh, fitness. Here's my fitness card. Oh, this, so here's my, this card. Okay, so oh. you went next level on this one. I don't know if I, I'd go down that road. Well, but I mean, <laughs> it, it just opens up doors. Like you can learn. <laughs> is that what we call it now? So here's the thing. Like five years is going to go by no matter what. Hey, right? I'm a, I'm an agent. Hey, <laughs> I'm a sales manager. Hey, I mean, hey, now, no, I have heard stories like that. I know the, uh, I, by the way, I saw this too on TikTok, but I guess there's a story of like the guy, the founder of Under Armour, like he had two business cards. He had one that said president and one that said sales manager, right? And depending who he talked to, to make himself legitimate, he pulled out that business card. So, wow, we went down like the Alice in Wonderland, like yeah, rabbit hole right That's now. what this podcast is about. <laughs> that's what we're about. All right. We wanted to take a quick moment to thank our sponsors for this episode. So Orlando and I are always looking out for tools and programs that can be used in our own reselling to help improve our sales uh, and things that we can share with the community in order to help others. Uh, and we've been lucky enough to partner with two companies here at the same time uh, that we think do just that. So it's kind of interesting because both of these companies are competition. So, uh, you know, but this is a good thing that we're advertising both, I feel, because we are really, really big on letting you make decisions and not saying like, this is the way you should do things because you know, you know, what's best for your model of selling and what you need to be doing. Uh, so we've been able to partner with list perfectly and Vindu. And both of these are programs that can be used to cross list postings on multiple platforms. This is great because we always talk about the importance of 
being on multiple platforms and not putting all of your eggs into one basket. But one of the barriers to that is the time issue. And the nice thing with List Perfectly and Vindu is it allows you to make one listing that then gets cross-posted to multiple platforms. So you're not having to post things multiple places and spend that time. And in this case, that time saved is money you're making. So both of these companies have a special offer for our listeners if you were to sign up. Um, you need to sign up using the affiliate links that we have in our descriptions or show descriptions in order to get the uh, promotional codes. Uh, so first of all, is List Perfectly. They're giving 30% off your first month, which is amazing. And they've got some incredible things that they they offer. So uh, for instance, your postings go to eBay, they go to Mercari, Depop, Grail, Etsy, Poshmark. There's just so many. You got to check it out. There's almost too many to list here. Um, and so if you sign up, you get 30% off, but you have to use our... our link and then use the code LP30. And then the other one is Vindu. Vindu is very similar. Uh, you're going to get 25% off your first month if you use our affiliate link. You don't have to use a promo code. Just click on the link in the description. Uh, and your your listings are going to go to eBay. They're going to go to Etsy. They're going to go to Poshmark. They're going to go to Mercari. So this is just a great opportunity for you to save some time, get on multiple platforms, and maybe make some more money. Hey, let's get what about you? So I don't have any random stories to myself you know i do miss like i was at this garage sale mm. i was at the thrift store but so i just wanted to throw this out there because i've been getting a lot of dms from people so the weight thing the selling weights it's still fire like a lot of people are making money but i'm getting all kinds of dms of brand new sellers that jumped on the weight train which is great because people are making thousands we're not talking about people are making hundreds people are making thousands uh selling weights but they're also getting a lot of returns Mm. And the problem that they're having is like they're not top rated sellers. They don't offer, you know, they don't offer free return, free 30 day return. They don't offer, you know, any of those things. And so now they're having a problem because now, you know, we've talked about this before that eBay is very big on like it's very impossible to deny. And I don't think it's impossible. It's very hard to deny a return. Right. Because all the buyer has to do is point out one thing wrong. Right. They have to say something. They have to point out something in the description that's off. They have to point out something in the item is off. Maybe a picture is off. And that's it. Like eBay pretty much. Now, that's if you're not a top rated seller. If you're a top rated seller, eBay, I really believe, protects you a lot. Like, have you had any issues returned? You're a top rated seller now, right? Yeah. Um. No, I don't think so. I mean. Like right now we have this weird thing going on where the USPS lost a, a package and the person keeps complaining to us and there's like negative feedback stuff coming towards us from them and complaints and account like, but every time we call eBay, like they immediately work with us. And I think, yeah, part of it is we've, we've built a reputation of, we always work with the buyers. We have, we have great metrics, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, being a top rated seller certainly helps you uh, in the long run, especially if you're dealing with a customer who's, you know, doesn't have as many transactions as you have, right? Like you're, you're going to come across as the, the person who's, you know, you've got integrity, you've, you've proven yourself valuable and worthy in the community. Uh, and that's going to be beneficial for sure. And, and how long have you been top rated seller now? I don't know. Now, do you have free returns turned on? Um, certain items. So like we, we have certain items where it's the, the free returns and all of that other items. Uh, we don't just depends on the item. So certain, so like, you know how you get like the check box, like whether an item gets like the whatever boost, some of them get it, some of them don't. But as far as us being top rated seller, we are. Okay. So the reason I say this is because I get a lot of people that are like, I'm not going to accept the return. And again, do what's best for your business. But 
if you're selling stuff that is expensive, that is very much something that is volatile, right? So, you know, right now the way, and I think the way market's still going to be up because, you know, like <laughs> Los Angeles just said they're going to have a stay, a stay at home order till the end of July, mm. end of July. And I, you know, I'm not saying what is right or wrong. I'm just saying that's, that's rough. Like I, I'm struggling right now <laughs> and it's only been a little over a month. Right. So, but that means that some of these markets are still going to be hot right now. There will be a time when, you know, the supply is going to outpace the demand, but not yet. I don't think we're there yet. I, Cause I think pe some people waited to buy stuff cause no, no pun intended because they thought that, you know, eventually this is going to end and things are going to be reinstalled. Re like right now, like masks, certain masks are back in stock, certain hand sanitizers back in stock. Like that stuff is available, but but wait, it's still out there. So I, I really want to encourage you, like if, if you're a new seller and you're trying to sell like items that are volatile, that are going to cost you a lot of money, you may think in the long run now, I could be wrong. It might correct me maybe, or not correct me, but you know, push back if you think there's pushback here. Yeah, that, you're wrong. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that if, if there's an opportunity for you, you may think in the short run, like, hey, if I accept the return, like I'm going to be out that money. But in the long run, if you get hit with people still pushing returns and eBay forces you to, maybe you're just better off being top rated seller. Now, you could say like eBay's messed up and eBay's terrible. Regardless of all of that, it's their platform. Like they can do what they want. They can tell you what they want. So I just wanted to bring this up again. You know, top rated sellers who reside in the U.S. and list this from eBay and on eBay, also receive additional protection from benefits when they offer 30-day or longer returns. They're eligible for shipping label created for false item not as described claims, and they can protect themselves. This is the key one. By deducting up to 50% for refunds for decreased value on used or damaged returns. Right? And I think, I think that that's a big deal because I've had a lot of returns that were like a win-win for me. Right? On multiple levels. One is... It got damaged during shipping, so I file an insurance claim, right? And I get it back, and I resell it, and I, I'm, I'm making money on both ends, right? Or a buyer isn't happy with something, and they use it like it's a new item. They open it, and it's like, oh, what am I going to do? So you can deny the return, but you're in a tough place if you deny a return. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, be, it escalates, and you don't know where things fall. Or you get it back. You do, like, up to the 50%, re, you know, you... Deducting, you may get pushback, but if you're a top-rated seller, I my experience with eBay is that they're very good at, at protecting you in that case. Right? I'll read it. What it says here: When you issue a refund for an item that was returned after it was used or damaged by a buyer, and you have a track record of delivering on your service promise, again, top-rated seller demonstrates that. We'll give you the ability to protect yourself. Top-rated sellers can deduct up to fifty percent of the refund to recover the decreased value of the item. If there are any issues with buyers. That may negatively impact you will take care of them by removing any negative or neutral feedback defects and open cases in service metrics. And, and I know right now during the whole COVID thing, it, there's actually another layer on top of that. But I want you to understand, like, you may get that return. Okay, give them their 50%, right? The item you probably already made profit on, right? And now you can make profit again by reselling the item. It's just you're not going to be able to sell it for as much. And again, I know with every item is different. But I really want to encourage you that are new, think about that. Not saying you have to, but for me, I can tell you, like, I can't tell you how many times 
that I've called eBay. Actually, I can because I have a seller report like every month, but I, I don't want to spend the time looking at it. That I've called eBay and said, hey, listen, this was a brand new item. They returned it to me damaged. They're not happy about it. I just want to make sure they're good. And they're like, yeah, you're fine. You can give up up to the 50%. And if they're upset, we'll take care of you because you have consistently delivered on what, what you said. So. Yeah. Building that track record and got to think long term, like, you know, there's going to be times where, yeah, you, you, you eat the cost, but who do you want to be as a company, right? Like this is your company image and ask yourself if you were the company you want to be as far as like, do you want to scale to where you're making six figures a year? Would the company that's making six figures a year worry so much about the $10 they lost on one item, right? And, and, and or just, several hundred, which is sounds terrible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it sounds painful. Don't get me wrong. I've had several hundred dollar returns, but long-term. Yep. Long-term. Think long-term. Make the decisions that, 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 that company, that business would make. Nice. <laughs> I feel like that could be like a, a commercial. <laughs> like, all right. Hey, real quick, before we jump into reseller talk, did you want to share any more random stories? Nope. Okay. Before we jump into reseller topics, if you had a chance to follow us on social media, we drop content all there all the time. We expound on it here, but you know, there's sometimes where we can't get to everything. So we're on Instagram and TikTok and Facebook. We are PRSO Podcast. Want to say thank you. Shout out to our Facebook crew because we're always like, I, I'll, anyways, I keep saying I feel bad, but hey, because Instagram, we get, we get swamped all the time with DMs and messages. Facebook, not as much. Uh, but we appreciate every single one of you. We're also on Twitter. Twitter following is growing. So appreciate you guys. We are Pure Soul Cast on Twitter. If you want to give us a call, 619-738-1170. I'm thinking, should we have an episode of just phone calls? We got to get more of them. I know, but we've hey. got a couple in the hopper right now, but it's it's like we want to. That's the idea. It'd be great to have like almost like an interactive episode which is call-ins. And I don't know, maybe we at some point do like a live call-in show. Um, Ooh, that would be cool. A delayed live call-in show <laughs> just because, yeah. you know, we don't have anybody screening calls. <laughs> that, is, that is true. That is true. That is don't need anybody calling, pranking us. Yeah, there you go. So give us a call, 619-738-1170. That's 619-738-1170. Somebody told me I'd say it too fast. I decided to slow down. Slow down. DJ voice. All right. Pure Podcast at gmail.com is our email. Pure Podcast at gmail.com. And as always, if you ever want to see our mugs, you're just listening to the podcast, jump on over to YouTube and hit that subscribe button and that notification in case we drop content that's not on the podcast. And the like button. like Oh, yeah, like, the like button. That's we, important. We get a lot of views and, and sometimes we get like more comments even than likes and people clearly are liking the so video. True. But like, hey, give us the like. Give us a thumbs up. You know, it helps. It helps. It makes it where more people will find us in the search. So when somebody types in eBay... Uh, we, we actually show up in the, the first 100 pages. So do that. That'd Maybe be awesome. we should have like the most clickbaitish title ever in one of our episodes. Just see how it performs. Yeah, that'd be good. It's just, it's always going to be is people are going to watch it for two minutes and go like, who are these guys? <laughs> right. Unsubscribe. <laughs> Thumbs down. Thumbs down. Hey, and thank you guys for all the reviews. Really appreciate the reviews. Uh, they've just been awesome. We're getting closer and closer to 300. And thank you guys for uh, those of you who have been buying our shirts recently. Uh, and thank you for being patient. We have a three-day handling. Did you know that for our shirts? Oh, wow. Well, I do that because I always fear that, like, I'm going to forget or something, you know. I'm in charge of the shipping of those, so be mad at me. But I uh, thank you guys for your patience. And I've shipped out some priority right away because I'm like, ooh, we want to get this to you guys. So, anyways, thank you guys. Thank you for all the support. Really appreciate it. All right. Are we ready for... Whoa. It is that time where we are going to discuss the things that matter most in the reselling world, bringing you the information that you need to make a profit, better your life. It's how we roll. Orlando, over to you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Michael. 
in today's reseller topics. So it is, you know, I, I do find that that sound is not the cheesiest sound, but it's up there. Well, yeah, up that's there. the point. It's, but, it's, it is the cliche news sound. Okay, so let's talk about managed payments a little bit. We kind of touched on this a little bit last time. It's happening. Like, you have no choice. Like, once July hits, everybody's going to be having managed payments. But there's been some blowback. Like, in the reselling community, um, several YouTubers have spoke on, on it. I, I drop stuff on Instagram. Like, my comments are like, managed payments is the worst ever. Blankety, blank, blank. Like, people aren't happy. So I'm kind of like, okay, well... I'm waiting till July still, but it kind of concerns me. I, I still haven't gotten a clear answer of daily payouts. A lot of people have said there isn't daily payouts. So, and I, I thought by now I would be able to get an answer. Let us know in the comments. If you get a daily payout, just, I want to sleep better because if I'm not going to get daily payouts now, I know people will say, say, well, if you don't have, if you're worried about getting daily payouts, well, man, your business is already in trouble. I'm not saying like I have the money to cover things. I just rather have the money there for a return instantly or the money, you know, because sometimes again, we're not going to have our PayPal anymore. Right. So it's, it's going to be either you make a separate bank account or you make it in your main bank account. Well, I'm sure. So two things push back on that. So yeah. one, if, if you're not getting the payout, right, but there's a return, I'm sure that money is, is usable because it's through the eBay yeah, payment but, system. But you know how sometimes like you, and I and I get why it people actually say, seems a little safer. Well, it's a little safer unless you're using that money right away. But here's the thing, too. Here's my other pushback on that. Okay. And I get that some people want that, but for you to to say like, hey, like I, I want to know daily pay payouts, you have been kind of opposed to the idea of of like the fast nickel of like, hey, maybe take a little bit less because then you can reinvest that money. You have capital faster. You're willing to wait an extra month to get a little bit more money on an item. So once you get that, what's an extra day to actually have the cash? Yeah, I just, I don't like, especially because I sell some higher end items at times. I don't like the fact that that money's not there. Like, I love it on PayPal where, you know, somebody buys something and I get the whatever, $300, like instant, right? I'm not stressing. And that's why I like eBay more than multiple reasons, but more than Mercari and more than Poshmark because those things like... You got to wait till the person gets it and then they have to give you a review. And, and that's, that's a lot of time lag, right? To get your money. I mean, it's your money. You like, you, this is something you sold, right? So me, for me, it's more of a security thing. Like I like that instant cash, right? It's, you know, now Amazon has trained me like I got to wait two weeks, right? But so much happens in those two weeks. Like I really have no idea of what money I have because it goes up and down return or Here's an e here's an Amazon fee or fulfillment delay or whatever it is. So it's just instant. But that's not why there's that that's one of the reasons there's blowback. Because people do like the fact that when you get, you know, your money in PayPal, it's there. Like, right? And I instantly now I transfer it from my PayPal to my bank account and I'm good. The other is that managed payments and people are like, there, there's some end of the world scenarios here that people are playing through. And I'm not sure if it's gonna go that far, but so there's certain things you can't sell when you do managed payments now, right? So you can just type in Google, in Google eBay managed payments and you scroll down and you'll get to what you need to. But now we don't sell these things, but <laughs> adult only items. I know a lot of people sell those. So that's going to kill some of their business. Airline rail and cruise tickets, right? Uh, auction services, bullion, coins and paper money is a big one. Like I personally know people that sell coins 
And this is going to be a big deal. And obviously, you know, I, I, I hope I would hope if you've been selling coins for a long time, like this is something you're aware of, but maybe this is something that just got dropped and you just or or you didn't notice, like you didn't think it until because to actually get to this page, you have to do another click. So it's not instantly on the, you know, manage payments page. There's there's another part that says, you know, if I go back and, you know, there's a question like, can I sell everything I want on managed payments? So unless you clicked on the next one, you wouldn't have been able to see this. But are all of those things, are all of those things technically things you can sell without managed payment and now it's changing now? 100%. So for instance, like coupons. You can sell coupons yeah. now, but once managed payment comes, you won't be able to. Yeah, I know people that sell coupons. I think or there's motor vehicles. I think it's the way. Well, there's eBay Motors, so I'm guessing. I'm hoping that'll be that. Hey, you can only do this on eBay Motors, right? Because they're not going to stop the selling of motor vehicles, right? But I know coin for sure, hundred percent. I've sold event tickets. I've sold concert tickets. Now that could be because maybe eBay sold StubHub, right? And maybe they don't have that right. I I don't know. I'm not The coins one seems weird to me though. I wonder what the purpose of that is. I don't know. Or even bullion, right? So like if you're if you're a collector of of cuz if you just are buying silver and gold, right? Or like coins, but if you're buying like a certain mint, right? Like the the treasury made like a certain rare edition of like a silver bar bullion. It's only 1 ounce, but even though it would normally only sell for 18 or $20, whatever, this print will sell for 60 because it's a collector item. Like those are the types of things that people are selling on eBay. So it, it's surprising to me that like coins, because how many people, coin collections, right? Like it's almost like stamp collections. I wonder. Oh, I, I know. There's some people that I know a guy that he just sources coins on eBay and flips coins on eBay. Mm. So now his sourcing is done and his selling is done. Now I haven't I haven't heard from him in in a long time, so he probably already figured this out. But that's a big deal. Like I'm looking right now at coins, right? I mean, there's I typed in bullion. I say it. I say bullion, but bullion. There's a hundred fifty five thousand results right now on eBay. Yeah, right, it's all collector collector silver or gold pieces. Hundred yeah. percent, right? And if I go to sold, I wonder what we're gonna get. If I go to sold, it's gonna be some astronomical number unless things are selling. Yeah. 257,976,000 sold in the last 90 days. Right. So under this managed payments, that's done. Mm -hmm. That that's huge. And, you know, I haven't sold coins in a long time, but you know, now, and, and the reason we bring this information is we don't want to add to the noise that's already out there. Like we, we already know, but we know that not everybody catches everybody on YouTube or this is a link that you may not have clicked on. We want you guys to be aware because, you know, it would be terrible if you go to a garage sale and like you're like, oh, I want to pick it now. Hopefully you're doing research or but you already know, like if you're a coin person, you're pretty you pretty much know your coins. Right. You don't have to do research on eBay. Right. And it would be terrible for you to source all this, especially now that people are selling stuff. And now you have to figure out another platform, which to me, I don't know what all the plat best platforms are, but I would think eBay would be a pretty good platform to sell stuff like this. So, I mean, they have to have an alternative besides managed payment, though, for things like that. Like, there's no way they're going to just completely remove bullion from. Bro, but it's only managed payments unless there's eBay coins that develops like eBay Motors. Yeah, that seems crazy to me. <laughs> I, I'm just I'm just throwing it out there. That's what it says. It says listings that don't follow these rules may be removed from the site or from search results. Other auctions we may take include lowering a seller's rating. That's not good. 
charging additional fees, limiting buying and selling privileges, or suspending an account. Okay, so that's on there. Okay, RVs are on here, timeshares, vacation packages, and stuff like that. So take a look at it. You're going to have to do two clicks. You're going to have to Google eBay managed payments. And then when you scroll, it's like, what items can I sell? There's going to be another click that you're going to have to do on a link and it'll take you there. So some people have gone end of the world scenario on this and that this may be the beginning of eBay gating things, not just Vero listing, but now saying you can't sell certain items. So yeah, I, 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 I don't think I, so. That's why I call it end of the world scenario. Yeah, I don't think so. Just because, again, the reason why like you recognize eBay so much is, as caring for the sellers that's where that's where they're making their money right like listing fees the sell the the percentage like we pay the percentage of the sell fee right like the seller isn't paying that even though we're including that in some of the pricing and stuff so they want sellers right like i'm just thinking of all of that all the coins that they make money on they're going to find a way to get those because that they might lose you know hundred thousand dollars a month or more in revenue that their company is bringing in by losing those listing fees, losing the the final value fees, losing like they're not going to want to lose that stuff. So I, I can't imagine them wanting to do tons of gating. Um, I think I think it's going to stay open more than than other platforms, just because yeah, it would be it would be devastating to their bottom line. Yeah. So be aware. So the other thing, the other pushback is I, I've seen some things about like eBay's fee structure is still tough now. This is what I'll say. I think eBay's fee structure is tough to understand is because eBay doesn't do the full calculation. Like you go on Posh, right? Right when you do your listing, they'll say, this is how much you'll make, right? But they don't tell you all the little, you know, intricacies. Is that a real word? Yeah. Are you saying like eBay doesn't show you? all? eBay eBay does, but it's hard to figure out. So now I guess eBay is, you know, there's a different fee structure based on what category you're in, right? Hasn't it always been like that though? No, it's always been like that, but now they're adding more to it. So, for instance, now they're charging a fee too for collecting taxes. Oh man! Like, but they're throwing it. In. So here, I'll, I'll I'll read it to you. You're so they give an example, which is weird. The example they give. So they say you're selling a new handbag with a price of forty four ninety nine. You offer a standard and expedited shipping service for buyers to choose from. You've already listed more than fifty items. Da da da. To attract attention of buyers, you add the bold listing upgrade. Who does that? Yeah. Who who pays four dollars for a bold listing upgrade? I I've paid it on sure. accident where I accidentally clicked it. I'm like, where in this do I owe four dollars? Like I couldn't figure it out. I'm like, whatever. I paid it, and then eventually I found out who does that. I, I just if you have, let us know because yeah. I really want to. Maybe know. it's a business practice we're missing out on. Maybe that's where all the money is. Maybe sales increase like fifty percent. Four dollars you know. for something to be bolded. Who does that? So I wonder, you know, it's funny. Uh, I bring up scavenger life because they had an episode one time. They were talking about how many millions does eBay make on people that accidentally click boxes on the listings and they don't know it. Right. Because think about it. If all you need is a thousand people to click that four dollar bolded on accident, that's four thousand dollars that eBay made by people accidentally clicking on that box out of the millions of sellers. Anyways, All right. So then they say uh, the handbag sells and the buyer choose an expedited shipping service for twelve ninety nine. OK. The total amount of the sale is $61.46. So the bag, $44.99. The expedited is shipping $12.99. And then they put in parentheses, includes 6% sales tax. So that's into it. So now they're going to take the fee from all of that. So they're taking a fee from the sales tax from you too. Brutal. Right? So the final value fee is $10.96 or 17.35% of $61.46 plus the $0.30 per 
transaction fee. So are you saying now, because you were so excited that PayPal on returns <laughs> was taking 3%. 2.9. Does it sound now like maybe it wasn't so bad when you consider all of these additional... No, because... Because this is no. every item. How many PayPal returns? PayPal was stealing. This yeah, is but different. They were stealing one uh, on okay, returns. But, How many returns okay, so do you have? It's like total <laughs> items you sell. We have new listeners. Let, let's give some context. So I don't think we need to give tons no, of context. Okay, but real quick, you were PayPal upset about a three percent. No, PayPal takes two point nine percent seller fee when you sell something. PayPal changed things last year and said if you if a person cancels a transaction or you do a return, we're not going to give you back that two point nine percent. We're going to keep it. Yeah, that's not that's so. Shady. So, but like, what what percentage of your items return? Five percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so so if you're looking at five percent of your items, but if return, it's three thousand dollars, okay, yeah, but but still, but do that's, the math. Twenty nine bucks. No, no, no. But do the math on this. So if, oh, wait, if no, five, not twenty nine bucks. More than that. But you know, get what I'm saying. If 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 five percent of your sales get a two point nine percent, sponsored by PayPal here. No, but what I'm just is saying, going on? Because because just mathematically, if five percent of your sales are getting an extra two point nine percent fee versus all of your sales are getting whatever this works out to be, even if it's a point one percent or a a one percent fee, right? Additional. Which would you rather have? No, I okay. So that actually, I I set that up for you to lead to my next point. Regardless, this is still better than being under PayPal, right? And and here's the bottom line: the only reason we know this is because eBay has been willing to tell us, right? Where now. <laughs> Poshmark just gives you a number, right? They're yeah. just like, this is where you're going to get paid, right? eBay could just say, this is how much you're going to... No, right? but see, here's the problem with the eBay okay. one is it Go goes ahead. up and down, right? So like, you know, yeah, automatically. So it's like, so confusing. That, that number, it's... So you could say they tell us, they tell us here's this giant algorithm that they use and you can use these charts to figure out based off of how many listings you have and how, many, how much you'll pay. Or it's like just flat 15% fee or 20% fee on certain products, right? So like you're paying 17% on this which isn't really that much cheaper than the 20% on Posh, right? And and there's no you don't have the listing fees, you don't have other like all those other things. So, yeah, it, it you got to realize like I would say it's still like there's still so much. And I'm not saying that as a business person that that's too much for you to handle, right? Like there's all these fees cuz that's just business. There's always going to be random well, fees here and there. Ultimately, we still have it good. But what why do you say it's better than PayPal? Like what? What is your reasoning? Because it's ethical. Because eBay is telling us, "Hey, this is what we're going to take." Because I'm pretty sure if the person cancels it or the person returns it, you're gonna get your fees back. PayPal's like, nope. Okay, so but but they're being ethical because they told you. But what what if what about this? What if what if they said? What if PayPal said? All right, we're gonna if you if the, dude if if you buy the no, trailer no, no, from someone let me, let me, let me, and let me you finish. chose to not let buy that finish. trailer, and the person like, I'm gonna Here's, keep twenty nine dollars. Would you be okay with that? Okay. So what I was saying is okay. if PayPal were to say, fine, you get your 2.9% back if there's a return on the 5% of items you deal with returns, you can have your 2.9% back, but we're going to charge 3.5% on every item now. It ends up being the same for them, right? Like you'd be happier with that. Like it, it comes down to bottom line. You can't say like, oh, it's a return. Like it's a fee. You use their, their, their service, right? Like if there's a fee for something, you can go, for instance, if I go to the swap meet and I pay a dollar to get in and I walk around and I don't yeah, buy anything yeah, and I right. walk out and I'm like, hey, I didn't get anything. Well, sorry, you used our service. You the came only, here. The only concession I'll give you out of all of this is ultimately eBay and PayPal fees 
is a drop in the bucket based on the amount of money we're able to make by using those services. No, for sure. I'm not. That's the only concession I'll give you. That's it. I'm not going to give any more. Yeah, all right. Whatever. <laughs> you know, my, you know, it's funny because Mike, Mike and I are such good friends. It's he'd, so funny. He'd, he'd rather, he'd rather lose an extra $500 a month on, on fees than to know that, um, that eBay or PayPal. I'm a justice 20. guy. I want justice. You pay $500 extra a month because it's set up. I, I, I mean, mean, all they have to do is change the way they're doing it. Like, and, and you'd be happy. Like it's not the money. Yeah. The justice. Thing, it's, it's interesting. All right. On a, on a happy note, if you have GoDaddy bookkeeping, are you using GoDaddy right now? No. Okay. Sorry. Oh, actually. Yes. No. QuickBooks. Not GoDaddy. QuickBooks. So managed payments now syncs with GoDaddy. Nice. So that's a win because that was one of the reasons I was holding out on doing managed payments because I was like, I, I need things synced up. I love GoDaddy because GoDaddy syncs my Amazon, syncs my PayPal now because I'm going to be using PayPal with other services. Will now sync my managed payments and it syncs all my credit cards. One stop shop makes it really easy. And I, QuickBooks isn't bad. I don't know if QuickBooks syncs all that though, but I'm just happy that. So if you're wondering if you had GoDaddy and you're like, I'm holding out. And I'm still going to hold out because I really believe there's, I think there's going to be some other things that are going to have to be worked out like from now. Cause you know, whenever a new program gets worked out, I'm always a fan of waiting to be one of the last people to use it. Uh, but I have heard people saying that their sales go up when they switch to managed payments. So maybe I'm leaving money on the table. I don't know. All right. Are you ready to go to the store that shall not be named in San Diego? I wouldn't mind. I'd love to walk into a sort of store again. Yeah. So, it's it, they're opening here soon and they're soon. So, okay. So let me, now I know this is local news that I'm sharing on the podcast and we're a national or international podcast, but I know different parts of the world are opening at different times. And so I'm always interested because I've, I've received DMs right now. They're like, Hey, they just started going to stores and like the prices are worse, mm. <laughs> which I've kind of shocked at other people. I've said there are thrift stores are terrible because they didn't accept any donations during that time. Mm -hmm. So whatever they had when they shut down, they, it's still the same junk, right? So here, uh, they're opening soon in San Diego and our store that we really like isn't opening. I actually contacted the manager directly and she says we're not opening yet. So hopefully soon. So they're going to be, they're going to be opening, but it's going to be different now. Really? I feel terrible. They said in San Diego, they laid off 90% of its workforce. Man, that's brutal. And I, I know part of that workforce is a workforce that like couldn't get job at all, you know, wherever they wanted. Right. Good life. Good. Oh, I'll say it in this time. Cause it's a good thing. Goodwill, you know, provide jobs for opportunities for many that wouldn't have those opportunities available. So it's a good, good service. Now they, they are going to have some new rules. Uh, so donors donors. So now they're except. So what I like about what they're doing here is that, they're not opening right away. They're going to have like a week or two of donations and then they're going to open. So that's good. Right. It says Goodwill don uh, Goodwill says donors have never been required to sanitize items before donating. Their responsibility will remain on the customers to wash anything they purchase. Okay. So that's not really changing much. I mean, people could say whatever they want. Uh, those stores aren't set to open up back yet. Uh, preparation in a way to do it as safely as possible. Uh, stores uh, are very full, which is a good thing. So maybe we want to hit the thrifts and ready to be open. Of course, we want to see our shoppers again. Uh, we are putting in sneeze guards. So I wonder if that's just like at yeah. the registers. Yeah, it's the register. Right? Uh, we're putting in margins to let people know where they need to stand. 
And that's a business that we did not take opportunity in. There's a lot. How many stores have you gone like six feet or here's the arrow? Like those sticker businesses are making a killing right now. A killing. All right. Well, what do they need to stand for checkout for social distancing? In the meantime, focus will remain on one drive through locations or expect to get busy. So prepare to be patient or come back at a later date when there's less of a line. So that's good. So I'm going to be on my little routes. I'm going to be scoping out like, are there lines at this store? Are there lines at this store for donations? And the other thing is I'm hearing uh, from some of our listeners that in certain stores, there's a, there's like a one way to thrift. Like you go in and you have to like follow the path. Like you can't just go wherever you want in the store. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how things go. I we did. I had we have friends up in LA that told me that their inventory is getting on one month quarantine before they put it out. Yeah, and that might be a little much too. Like again, we're not doctors, so don't take any advice that yeah, we give no, as medical no, advice. Uh, but it seems like on most surfaces, it's like twenty four to forty eight hours, maybe seventy two hours, right? On on certain sur- surfaces. For most germs and viruses, right? Like, it's very few that can. If live that's the than case, that. right? So, so like, if it, a package gets like, I, uh, sorry, I'm interrupting Mike. I do that. I haven't done it as much lately, though. So I've gotten packages, and I'll let it sit out in the sun for like a day, and then I'll bring it in. Now I trust where I live, so it's not an issue. But or I'll bring it in and I'll put it back in the patio. So that's one way to treat it. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, no, and that's the thing too is like, you really, as far as. You're in just as much risk if you go into a thrift store and people are walking around. When they touch an item, there, there's more likely that things are being transferred that way rather than the donations that are coming in. If they sit in the back of a warehouse to be sorted and you're like, okay, as soon as they come in, we just wait 48 hours before we sort it, it's going to be it's gonna be dead because it has, it's not on a surface that it can live on, right? So I, I, I think that a lot of there's a lot of concern about like, should I be spending money to sanitize the items and do that? Well, if you're sanitizing an item and then you're waiting three weeks to send it out, just it sitting there was sanitizing, right? Like the moment you touch it again, now you're you're introducing new germs. So there's potentially ways that companies like Goodwill and things like that, because like they said, a customer could sanitize it and bring it doesn't mean it's no longer contaminated. But the moment it's sat for some time in their warehouse it's as if it hasn't been contaminated and has just as much chance of being recontaminated as anything else, anywhere else you go. So really, I think I I'm just thinking about this in the sense of, I don't think people have to be as concerned as, as they might be going into something like a thrift store, right? Thinking these are used things. Okay. Yeah. These are used shoes. Uh, but you know, it could have been used six months ago. Exactly. So the the chances of it being contaminated is no different than pretty much anything else. So as long as you're thinking that way, it can help relieve some of the pressure. And I'm still of the understanding, like no one knows, like no one knows how people get, like you heard the story of the lady that was quarantined for a month and she tracked it to one person that dropped off her groceries or the person that never came in contact with anybody and got it. Like we still don't know. Right. So, but obviously news, you know, things that, are, that have been recommended by our government da, 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 to keep safe and, you know, follow your state and local guidelines. All right. So, but I'm excited. So we'll, we'll see how th- things go at the thrift. The one thing is, you know, what's weird, Mike, is that we could technically never have to go to another thrift store and we're still going to be okay. Yeah, it's true. That's what, and we talked about that before. I mean, even before this all happened, we always said that you got to find other ways to source outside of thrift stores. Cause what if you could never go to a thrift store again? What if, Either the prices were too high or, you know, something were to happen. And it's odd, but we were able to adapt and it helped us pivot a lot faster when things happen. All right. Now, 
I think I see this as as good and bad. So Amazon, despite everything happening, despite FBA shipments open opening up, uh, despite the fact that maybe things were kind of getting back to normal, Amazon is saying that they're still having issues keeping up with shipments. Right. And so why do I share this? Right. So let me share what they said. Uh, this is um, looking at Amazon fulfillment and delivery operations are used to taking a million of packages per day, but the coronavirus presenting a unique set of challenges. So this article talks about some of this, but this is as the Amazon CEO says this, uh, his name is Brian Olzowski. I hope I said that right. Well, we generally have experience in getting ready for spikes in demand for known events like the holiday season on prime day. We also generally spend months ramping up for these periods. The COVID crisis allowed for no such preparations. And this is talking about April. Additionally, in an April memo to sellers, one of the top executives that oversees Amazon's sprawling marketplace, uh, Dharmesh Mehta, acknowledged the situation is definitely not business as usual. And basically, what, and this is an article that dropped on the 9th of May. So what they are, are saying is that, hey, things aren't going to be back to normal for a while. And this is in May. Like, I thought by now, like, you know, they already hired over a uh, hundred thousand employees. Uh, probably I think they're going to 175 K that they hired. They've put in safeguards in place to stop the spread of COVID and so on. But they're what Amazon is saying, like it's still going to be a little bit. And I haven't seen that a lot lately. Like I I've ordered stuff on Amazon. There's some things that will take maybe a week instead of the normal two days, but it hasn't been like a month. But what I'm saying is, and, and what, you know, the person that we're interviewing, we're just going to say it. Lindy Glenn's going to be on the podcast on, on Sunday and she's made a ton of sales on eBay. Uh, and, you know, she's she's discussed this. We've had other sellers discuss this that eBay right now, like you're poised in a position. If you have items that you can sell faster on Amazon, you're bound to make more money. One, because more sellers will go to you and not more seller, more buyers will go to you. And two, you have less fees to worry about. Right. And you have that unfair advantage because you have the inventory with you and you that same day can pack it and ship where Amazon doesn't have that. So what I want to do is I want to encourage, you know, based on, on what Amazon is saying, like, Hey, if you're still selling stuff on eBay, keep doing that, right? Continue to look and go, Hey, if I were to send this into the FBA warehouse, what is the lag time going to be for me getting it, you know, sourcing that online arbitrage, sending it to the FBA warehouse and then for it to check in and then for it to sell, like what, what, what am I going to lose? And what am I going to gain? Right. You have price drops, you have competition to deal with. Maybe the best option is just once you get it listed on eBay right away, sell it, get that money while shipping is still an issue. So you want to add anything to that? No, that's great. Okay. Anyways, cause it's been good. Now, one more thing I want to share off price stores, right? We're talking about Ross and TJ Maxx and Marshall. Now we talked about some of that are closed, but uh, there's this article by the Motley Fool. I still think it's the best name for like a website, <laughs> like because it doesn't make you think about. But they're you know they they pose a question. They said, "Are off-price retailers a coronavirus safe haven?" Right, and so a lot of people do a lot of RA. I do a ton of RA from Ross and all these stores, but now I'm like, I don't know. I I, I really wonder. If, you know, we talked about before that the problem with sourcing from these places, which there's a lot of money to be made, but it's easily, easily accessible, right? So all you need is somebody on social media to drop, hey, here's a bullet you can find at Ross and that thing will tank super fast, right? 
if you can get to it. But chance of you getting to it are a lot higher than if it's a thrift store or garage sale find. Right. So what they're saying is that they're opening up throughout the country. Right. Some raw stores, some TJ Maxx, DD's discounts, Marshall and so on. But this is what they're saying. So why is it a safe haven? They're saying here's how. Some clothing retailers will probably sell inventory at a discount to replenish cash and make room for newer items, right? So we're talking about retailers. We're not talking about the off-price stores. And discounts may be considerable at struggling retailers. The perfect opportunity for TJ Maxx and Ross to fill the racks at an interesting price. Off-price retailers buy items in many ways, including buying a company's extra inventory or end-of-season collections. A weaker economic climate also may favor off-price retailers. Once the worst of the coronavirus outbreak is behind us, the economic impact is likely to linger. U.S. weekly unemployment claims have surged to record levels with the five-week total now 26 million. I think we're past 26 million now. People who have lost their jobs or found their revenue lower now than before. The crisis may be more likely to shop at an off-price retailer than elsewhere as they seek to save money. And so this is what I'll say in all this. One is... I really believe these stores are going to be flooded, which means there's going to be a lot of supply, which in turn means that either A, there's going to be a greater demand because all these people that are looking for lower prices are going to go to these off-price stores, which may create more competition for you as a reseller. But it also may mean that there's going to be so much stuff for such a low price that the good old days of, hey, going into the off-price stores buying it, you know, like at $10 and then going to eBay and flipping it for four or five times, it may not be as abundant as, as it was, right? Where the ability to go into a thrift store and find a pair of Doc Martens or find a pair of Tony Llama boots or whatever and sell that at a premium, that still may be there, right? So I, I just, you know, those of you that make a lot of your money and I, I've made a ton of money with Amazon and Amazon's a whole other discussion, which I don't want to go into with their fair price policy. I think that's going to shift things a lot. I think we're going to get into a place where the only way to really make money on Amazon isn't going to be to buy stuff at retail and flip it for 3X or 4X. It's going to be being able to buy stuff at super discount and sell it at the retail price, which that's going to be a shift. But that's just for another time. So think about this. Think about as these stores open up. Take a look. Be careful. Don't, you know, I wouldn't, I would say oh, right now, maybe it's an opportunity to go all in because the rest of the country, like in California, like those stores aren't opening up anytime soon. LA, San Diego, Bay Area, but other parts of the country, you may have an advantage because the, there's not that much supply. But if the country reopens up as a whole, when we get to that place, I'm really interested in, is this, it's a safe haven for those stores. But is it going to be a safe haven for you when you're trying to source retail arbitrage? So it's good. Anything you'd like to add? Nope. Mom's a word on you on these last two. Yeah. No. Sorry. I, uh, I mean, you've got great content there. You're, you're spitting. You're spitting <laughs> what fire. What is going on? You're spitting fire. No. Um. I. Uh, I. Sorry. I was doing a little bit of work. Got a little bit of offer up ads. Uh. Coming in. Trailers. So. I saw trailers. All right. So let's talk about some bolos. But before we talk about some bolos, I miss that sound. The bolo sound. Ooh, ooh, that's the a good b- b- bolo. It, that is a good sound, and it's been a little while since we've we've. It heard, has. Do you been. remember exactly how it goes? No, but let's play it anyways. <laughs> yeah. 
that we wrote. I wonder if California Supreme Vintage, like, you know, he, he, he has any more sounds he'd like to contribute. Yeah, send in your sound bites, guys. I'll uh, I'll spruce them up and uh, and we'll we'll put it on the podcast. We'll put it on there. All right. So, what is your bolo? Um, okay. So, I'm not sure where I land on this one yet. Part of me is like, this might be a huge business opportunity, so I'm a little worried about talking about it. The other part of me is like, I don't know, maybe not. I'm not 100 sure exactly how to capitalize on it perfectly yet. But a lot of stores right now are not doing exchanges. What I mean is like items that like are refillable or that you do like an exchange to like bring in your empty one, you get a full one for, you know, a discounted price. So a lot of stores aren't doing that. Let me give you examples. So like water containers, right? So the five gallon water containers, you go to store, you dump in your, your empty one, you get a full one and you pay a cheaper price than buying just a brand new full one because you're returning a bottle. It's like recycling. Well, a lot of companies aren't, the, the policy is no, we're not taking anything from customers. You can't bring in anything in. So what I think is going to happen, and I'll give you another example other than water containers. Uh, we have a soda stream. I am absolutely obsessed with sparkling water. I almost never drink regular water. Um, so I have a soda stream and the canisters are like anywhere from like 30, 35, $40, depending on where you're getting them for a canister, which only lasts me sometimes a week, right? Or less, depending on, you know, how much soda water I'm drinking. But you can go to stores like Target, you can go to Bed Bath & Beyond, uh, and they have exchange. So you bring in your empty CO2 container and you exchange it for a brand new one, right? And the brand new one is, instead of being $35, it's $15, right? So they take a, a significant reduction on the price of a new one because you have an old one. Well, right now we went to Target uh, and we kind of want to try it again. Um, we're hoping we didn't miss our window here. Like not that we're like scammers on anything, but we brought in one. We only, we only had one with us to, to do an exchange. We bought a new one and they wouldn't take the old one, right? They're like, sorry, we can't take your old stuff. Sorry, huh. we can't do this, this deal. Mm -hmm. And we're like, but you still have the sign up that says $15 if we bring in our old one. Like this, like you have the sign up that if we bring it in, you'll give it to us. Right. And so they were like, fine, we'll give you the deal. So they gave us the deal, but they let us keep our old one. Well, sometimes even these empty CO2 bottles will sell for money because people can use them for exchanges. So if you don't have one, you're like, well, I can spend $35 for a new one. Or if I can buy an, uh, an empty CO2, let's say for 10 bucks or five bucks or whatever, I'm able to, I'm able to buy a, the new bottle for a cheaper price, right? Yeah. Or you can buy, you can take a few, if you're able to collect a bunch of these used ones, um, whether it's from people who are, are not able to do these exchanges, so they're piling up all these used bottles, you're able to collect them. There might be an opportunity to say like, hey, I've got 10 of these used bottles. I'm going to turn them in, buy new bottles for the discounted price, and then sell them at the retail value, right? So I think there's room to make money here because I think with these types of things, people are still wanting their CO2 containers. They're still wanting their five-gallon things of water. But if they're not able to turn in their old ones, then they're going to have around their house like three or four sitting around that they're not doing anything with, which means at garage sales, at thrift stores, I think these things are going to start showing up. Um, I think you're going to be able to potentially make some money off of them because people are like, hey, I've got like, I've had to buy a bunch without being able to turn in my old ones. So I'm selling them at a garage sale. I'm sending them to a thrift store or I'm putting them on offer up. Uh, so just something to be uh, thinking about and looking at. I mean, I'm looking at comps right now. I mean, I've seen some, just one by itself used $44.99 free ship. Is that a good price? I mean, is it used or is it's it? It's used. Yeah, it's uh, no, dude, that one's new. But sorry, but I've seen pre so pre-owned people are like lotting them up. 
Yeah. Okay. So, but that's what I'm saying. So imagine you walk Pretty into- on twenty four ninety five. Yeah. So you go into, let's say you walk into a Target and you're able to do that. You already have one. They sell you a new one. They give it to you for the discounted price because you brought in your old bottle, even though they can't take it. Now you've got two bottles, right? Okay. But you got the discounted price. Or let's say somebody's sitting around with a bunch of their bottles and they want to get rid of them. So you're able to get, let's say five of them. Okay. You got five empty bottles. You go and you turn those bottles that you were able to get for maybe $5 a piece at a garage sale or from a friend who has them. You take them to Target, you take them to Bed Bath & Beyond, and you get new canisters for $15, and then you go around and you flip them on eBay for 45 or 50 right? So okay. that's where the profit is, I think. So now, this is just one that's of the one types example, of things. One example yeah. of these types of things. There's, there's probably many, many, many like exchange things that aren't being exchanged right now. So well, there's going to be a whole, yeah. There's going to be a whole, I don't want to say underground market, but there's going to be a market that retailers can't accept things because they're, you know, liability and and law and so on where on eBay it's not as lax. Now, you obviously you have to be careful, right? But you know, a lot of people and, and and it's different. Like I don't sell baby items, right? But there's a lot of people that are willing to sell baby items, right? Because there's for instance, I give you an example like breast pumps. Like I won't sell breast pumps just because I'm always, you know, I'm I'm adverse to risk in in saying that like, hey, it's not worth it to me. If somebody's ingesting something, I don't want to be responsible for it. But there's a lot of people, right, that are selling right now, right? And it, it's just you you gotta you gotta take a look at risk. Maybe you you're willing to jump into some of these things because you have e-com insurance and so you feel safer about doing it. Uh, well, if e-com insurance is willing to cover you for that. So, but you got to think about that. Yeah, but that, that I think that's a decent bolo. I mean, it's something to think about because there is going to be a shift that, yeah, you're right. I haven't even thought about that. Like a lot of things that we took for granted that we just come in and that you could exchange that no longer can be exchanged. So, all right. So mine is, is, is an interesting one. It's very, it's very particular, but it, it kind of relates to what I just said with off price stores and selling stuff online on eBay. So Sandals is the easy one. I right now, if you have any kind of sandal, I would list it. Now, obviously not if it's junk, but if you have Chaco sandals or if you have Crocs or Mefizo or Reef or whatever, sandals are selling, I would say, a lot. Not like crazy, but it's it's elevated more than normal. And this is why people can't go to the store, especially if you have stuff that you've been gated in. Or maybe you have retail arbitrage that was just sitting around. I'm telling you, like it's selling right now because people don't have access to that stuff, right? And you know, maybe people are willing to go to big box stores, but usually stuff like that that you buy a big box store, it's not quality, right? So people are willing to pay a premium for something they can't get to that you can provide. So maybe it's time to take a look at okay, are there things that you know? I'm sure I'm not the only Amazon seller that gets gated or or you know something get a listing listing gets kicked off or maybe you have stuff on Amazon that you have listed that is selling for less on Amazon than on eBay take a look at that because it's selling for less on Amazon because some sellers aren't able to sell it faster because of shipping times right where they're selling for more on eBay because of shipping times and i've seen a lot of people adjust prices on eBay and get more money cuz they can ship faster so think about those things think about and the retail arbitrage opportunities, I know it's different because usually you think about, hey, I'm going to go to Amazon, I'm going to get more money. But I think that for right now is shifting. And I've sold a lot of stuff where 
I would only like, I'll give you an example. There's a pair of sandals that I've been constantly selling that I could only sell for like maybe 25 on Amazon. Amazon takes their fees, right? They're 30%. Let's say it's 30%, right? So let's say it's, you know, $8 and whatever, right? So I'm down to 18 bucks. I paid $12 for those sandals, right? Okay. Now, so what's that? $6 profit on those sandals where on eBay, I've been able to sell them for like, let's say 33 bucks. Plus I'm able to charge shipping. Right. So you take out the $12 cost. I don't have to pay for shipping. You take the 13% eBay fees, right? I'm making at least $13 instead of six bucks. So I'm doubling my profit. So think about that as a bolo right now, because I think there's a prime opportunity there. It's good. I like it. All right. So what are you looking forward to, Mike? Um, I'm looking forward to getting more yard work done, even though I hate <laughs> yard work. And the reason why is because I'm trying to, trying to, where I live, I, 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 there's not a lot of like usable flat ground. There's lots of hills, and I, whenever I want to, I love how do real a project. We keep it. Yeah, whenever I want to do a project, I have to like try and level out an area, and I'm wanting to level out some areas so I can get some sheds, so I can get more inventory stored closer to me. I can do different types of inventory, maybe local game inventory. Uh, the only way that's going to happen is if I'm clearing tons and tons of weeds and bushes, and I'm spending hours out there with shovels trying to level areas and build platforms for sheds and buy sheds and even getting sheds on things like uh, OfferUp or, or Facebook Marketplace at a discount as opposed to buying them new. So I'm kind of just like in this project mode where I'm trying to get like, turn my, like, keep turning up the heat on my business, right? Like making nice. it more efficient, getting more infrastructure. Um, and I think right now the part that I'm kind of focused in on, the trailer was first. Uh, now it's trying to level out some areas, get some sheds built uh, and and going from there, right? Like I don't have a garage. I live in a fifth wheel. I'd like to potentially work on some dirt bikes and flip some dirt bikes. Well, I'm going to need a place to do that, right? So the hard part is it's like upfront cost to get some of this stuff done. Uh, but I think there's potential in the long run. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that, even though hours out in the sun is not fun. But you're getting that vitamin D. I guess so. It's supposed to be True. helpful right now. Yeah. So what about you? What are you looking forward okay. to? Okay. So what I really, you know, the, 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 the bright side of everything that's been going on is I've completely ignored Amazon. <laughs> the only time I go on Amazon is to pull items to get shipped back to me so I could list them on eBay. Mm. And I've done a lot of that. So remember, was it two months ago? I was hoping to get to 2000 items and on, on my eBay store. Now I'm at like 22 something. My goal is to be at 2,500 by the next podcast. The next update podcast. And my goal is by the end of July to have 3,000 items in my store. Wow. It's intense. It is intense, but it's so doable. I, Because that's all I'm focusing on. And I'm noticing there's an uptick in sales. Once I got over 2,000, there was an uptick in sales. Now, it could have been because of what's happening right now. But even on my slow days, there's still good days. Right? So that's my hope. I... uh it's funny because I actually was contemplating moving, right? And because of everything going on, I'm going to keep running lean. Mm. And, and I'm running lean because my hope is to take bigger steps in a year from now. So if I can get to 3K listings, right? If I can get sales to a certain level, I mean, I can I can scale, right? That's what I'm looking to. But, you know, there's there's a lot that there's a lot of uncertainty. So all I know to do is, Hey, I found items that I can source. I know I can easily hit that 2,500 by the next podcast. As long as I put, you know, 
put my head down and just keep focusing. So I'm thinking about that. I'm also contemplating what I'm going to do with Amazon. Like, I, like I, I don't know right now. Like I've been tempted. Like I, that's the problem with social media. I love social media. I think it's great, but I see all these people doing online arbitrage and I'm like, should I be doing that? Am I missing out? But then I see people going like, Hey, I made 20% ROI. I'm like, 20% ROI. Like that's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of work. That's a lot of risk. Like, do I want to take that risk right now? And you know, the, the beauty of social media, we run into some major eBay sellers. Like I, I think about Matt Klein, like Matt Klein for a reason he chose not to, I mean, he had stuff with Amazon, but in his interview, he had talked about, if you don't know Matt Klein, Matt Klein hustle, you should follow him on, on Instagram. He's great. But he had, he had talked about how he did a lot of Amazon and now he's doing eBay. He just eBay. And just before Amazon did that, we're not doing non-essentials. Like he didn't have anything on Amazon. So he's been killing it on eBay, right? We know others, like a lot of sellers that we know are killing on eBay. And it's, I feel like it's a safer route to go. I think on Amazon, you can definitely scale, but there's so much risk involved in Amazon. It's almost just a different business. Like, I think that's part of the thing too is, um, it when you're doing Amazon, I think the the technical and I, again, I'm nothing against retail arbitrage Amazon. I think that's a, a valid model, but I think like the the model that's going to work the best, but it's also probably the most risky, is going to be private label on Amazon, right? Like that is where that is where it's like you don't have to worry about gating, you don't have to worry, there's right? So like, much risk in that, but there's too, a lot of risk, right? But like that's that's like the business model. When you're doing retail arbitrage, you're you're dealing with all the ups and downs, and it's a it's it's the wild wild west, and it's kind of I crazy. I feel with eBay, you can still have fun. Yeah, no, I'm sure. So you know what I'm saying like I feel it's just different. It's, it's a different business, right? So it, it depends on what you're looking for. If you're looking at just the volume and sending in tons of stuff, as opposed to having maybe a little bit more control, a little bit less risk, but maybe not as much volume, right? Maybe more profit per item, but your your overall monthly volumes less. But you're not working like a factory type job. So it just it's a different type of reselling. You kind of got to decide what's best for you. And you know what's interesting? I'm having these conversations in my head, but I've heard OG resellers that have been on YouTube for a while having these conversations three, four years ago. Mm. Right. And so I'm wondering if this is just the process of reselling. Yeah, could be. Right. You you come to a crossroads and you either because I know some that are have been maybe they, it's a little bit of burnout. Uh, burnout in the sense of like you're tired of playing the Amazon game, but when you I'm first start losing on Amazon, but when you first start the, the oh, potential yeah. is so intoxicating, well, you get this chart and you're yeah. like, I made thousands this week. Yeah. And it's only like, well, you made thousands, but you made a little bit of those thousands. Yeah. Right. But you know, I, I think it's a progression where some people eventually they do go. Pri- I know some that were all reselling and they went private label and they're done. I know some that went reselling and they resell real estate and they're done reselling. I know some that, went reselling and they did everything and then eventually landed on eBay. Right. So it all depends. You got to find the model that works for you, but I'm, I'm having to contemplate, but right now my focus is going to be on eBay and uh, just building that store and, and seeing, you know, will things feel different once I get past 2,500 listings? I don't know. We'll see. So hopefully I'm not buying a lot of junk. Yeah. We'll see what happens. So I like it. All right, man. Well, we went long. We've had some long episodes last time. So anyways, appreciate all of you. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Thank you for your support. And hope you all have an incredible week. And with that being said, make sure to be real. Be relevant. And be reselling. Peace. Peace.